to the show with your friend and mine. So tell me, Dr. Squee, who's it gonna be this time? We like to hear you talk, and we love to hear you listen. And if you are not subscribed, you won't know what you're missing. So welcome to the Dr. Squee Show. Welcome to the Dr. Squee Show. from the Fire Sign Theater. Whenever I'm kind of wandering around the blogs trying to find something really interesting, I go to the bear and I ask the bear to show me the Dr. Squee Show. It's wonderful. Hello and welcome to the Dr. Squee Show. I'm Dr. Squee and this is my show. Coming to you this week just as a podcast. Um, usually we'd bring you the highlights from my radio show from last week. Unfortunately, we don't know why it didn't record. Didn't record for me. Didn't record the Bears End. Um, that's the Bear.live where we host our show. And so I can't bring you that. Uh, what I'm going to do instead is uh, we're just doing this little intro and then we're going to go straight into the interview I did with Mr. Jeremy Roberts. He is the fantastic actor who appears in such films as The Mask, Herbie Fully Loaded, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, amongst many others. He's been in Lie to Me, Ghost Whisperer, oh, Veronica Mars. He's been in Star Trek, both in TV and the movies, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And that's just really a handful of this man's credits he's been in every tv show you've loved the last let's just say at least 30 years uh but a great chat we had there was a few issues with the audio unfortunately for some reason uh, his internet connection wasn't great so it was a bit choppy i've edited it to hopefully sound all right hopefully you'll enjoy it um and just before we go into that unfortunately the bear is is going to be roaring its last as you hear this episode, uh, I'm going to be putting this up tonight, so this is uh, Wednesday night, just before my last episode on the bear on the Thursday. Friday's going to be the last day uh, the bear's going to be broadcasting. Unfortunately, despite the best efforts of Al Galpin, our station manager, who's done a great job with the radio station for the last year, we haven't attracted the listeners that we hope to. But uh, I think it's something wonderful that Al's done to have been able to produce a radio station for a year whilst uh, having a young child, which he has, and uh, raising his, his kid and uh, doing all the other wonderful things he does. He hosts quite a few shows himself, including the second, second-hand song show, which uh, is also syndicated on loads of radio shows. So uh, Al's voice will not be lost and neither will Dr. Squee his. Not only are you, of course, getting this now and you'll get uh, next week. Hopefully we will bring you the last radio show in podcast form. But after that, we're going to go back to podcasts for a little while. We are in conversations to hopefully bring Doc the Dog Squee show to a new radio station. I can't really say anything about that at this time, but we will bring you more on that as we get it. But thank you very much for listening on The Bear, if indeed you have. And if not, thank you very much for listening in podcast form. It's going to keep going in podcast um, for as long as, well, you know, I've got no gatekeeper on podcast, but also on radio, we should be back soon. Again, that's all I can say right now. Before I do throw over to the interview with Jeremy Roberts, though, I would quickly also like to just give a, a little plug 
something we're calling Squeefest. Now, this is Squeefest the third. It's the third time I've done a 24-hour podcast marathon, and I couldn't be prouder of the lineup this year. Now, we're going to be raising money for Phoenix Dogs Rehoming, which rescues dogs from all around the world and uh, brings them here to the UK to be rehomed, uh, mostly throughout Europe. And uh, they do a wonderful job. They've never got a surplus of money. They're always raising to rescue. So we're raising money for them. And what have we got on the lineup? So, oh, this is just some of the guests you can look forward to at Squeefest. So we've got Sophie Aldra from Doctor Who, Sean Kelly from Storage Hunters, comedians Sammy Shah and Chuck Roy. Amongst many other guests, we're still announcing guests. Please do check out on our social medias. Go to the Dr. Squee Show on Facebook. You can check us out at Dr. Squee on Facebook and Instagram, where you can see our full lineup and all the announcements, which we're still announcing guests. It's very exciting. It's going to be a wonderful time. It's happening the 25th to the 26th of September, 2 p.m. till 2 p.m. UK time. Please check out your local time zones and hopefully you'll join us and hopefully we can raise some good money for a wonderful cause. You can donate right now at drsquee.com where we're redirecting to our Facebook page uh, where we've got the donations. So thank you very much. Here is the show and here is Mr. Jeremy Roberts. Enjoy. Uh, we are joined tonight by uh, one of my favorites as interviewing character actors because they have been in every show uh, throughout your life, like all your favorites. And uh, this man is no exception. He's got over one, well, exactly 113 credits on IMDb from movies and TV. His uh, shows have included L.A. Law, 21 Jump Street, Murder, She Wrote, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Doogie Howser, M.D., Wings, The Wonder Years, Seinfeld, Sister Act, Roseanne, Weird Science, The Mask, Diagnosis Murder, Sliders, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, The X-Files, The Practice, Herbie, Fully Loaded, Veronica Mars, uh, Lie to Me, and in Star Trek, he's been both Voyager and Deep Space Nine, as well as Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Please welcome to the Dr. Squee Show, the illustrious Jeremy Roberts. How are you, sir? You must be tired after all that. <laughs> I was going to say, who is this guy? I like him. If I listed all your credits, we literally wouldn't have any time for any interview. <laughs> Actually, on that 113, uh, is it IMDb, just to say that I think you've got that all counted. What they do is if you, if you audition for a part and you get it, there's your credit. That gives you one. But if you go back a year later, audition for the practice as a completely different role, and you get it, beating out three or four or five or whatever others, you got that role, but they won't count it. IMDb counts it as one, even if you've done 25 guest stars on Star Trek. So I kept trying to say, that doesn't seem quite fair because, you know, if you're given a role and then they've asked you to come back and doing a, if they ask you to come back, it's different or the same, I can understand putting it under one, under one heading. So I, I would have more like 150. You know, there's just friends of mine, uh, like a Richard Reedy. He's got 350 credits. 
Richard, there's probably, you, you've doubled up on many of them. You should have 400 prolific. Man, do you know Richard? You ever talk to Richard? I, I have I, I have not interviewed him, but uh, it sounds fantastic. Yeah, to, to, I'm not going to Fantastic. Uh, sorry, we have got a little bit of delay just for anyone watching. Yeah, I remember that. Or I'll run over you. There's another thing. If you ask a question and I might end up, there's no telling, I'll make come. What did you ask? With all those credits to your name, sir, it's no wonder that you um, might go off on different tangents and different stories. Oh, yeah. I got a million of them. <laughs> I'm giving them away. <laughs> well, let's start off with um, how, yourself, how yourself you got started as an actor. How did I get started? Um, well, in high school, I was not even interested. So I did do it. It was called Our Town, and I was grave diggers. And I pulled into the grave one one night. And that kind of immediately to an actor, the humiliation. But uh, that, I see, the Vietnam occurred. I joined the Marine Corps. After that, I came out. I wanted to find out what to do as a chef. Got me a job at uh, this Lakeside Country Club, which was about a block corner brothers a job as a lifeguard and then occasionally a nine ninth hole bartender so i'm out there on the ninth hole we know we need a drink around the ninth hole halfway through and this was a, sh a place that i was meeting every time john wayne one of my favorites john wayne came on was there he would always get a drink a bourbon i'm passing a drink these Crosby, bob hope uh it's just a fun it was who's who in hollywood and i still i was Yep, when I was a kid, and we watched the Million Dollar Movie, these old movies in the 40s, and that stuff, but still never acted. I think when I was 25 or 6, a friend of mine, she was doing a small play, 30-seat theater, said, we're doing a, a film. I mean, it's way beyond your age. Uh, there was a TV show called Laugh-In, Ronan Martin's Laugh-In, and I, I was to yep. play because the guy who was playing this Indian store owner, he said, you just have to do it for a few weeks. He broke his leg. Come on, help me out. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm just scared to death. Normally, I'm shyer than ever. You're seeing me talk like you wouldn't believe that's because 30 years of being an actor. Before that, I couldn't walk into a room if there were girls in there, especially. And just, just shivering and shaking. But uh, I said, all right, I'll do it. Got up there, said the first line joke, and they just roared. And I went, oh, this is like people have told me when they found God or Jesus. It was, the light came on, and I went, oh, I have to do this. So I went to Valley College, uh, junior college, and then I got accepted to the American Conservatory. It was like the Harvard Law School of acting. So that was a and you know, an interesting thing attached to it. I did an audition for it amongst thousands in L.A. And before they went off to Chicago, the guy in the audition room, I, he said, well, they're going to review you. And I, and I said, why? Well, you're the last one in L.A. before they go to uh, Chicago. And I'm like, should you be telling that to me? I mean, I was scared to death as it is so but that was on uh st patrick's day edition two weeks later i got a letter on April day which i thought this better not be a joke i got accepted and i guess the rest is history that was a long way Fantastic. to how i got there but yeah and oddly enough though well uh, i mean it's not the story that everyone has sorry I mean, not enough, everyone goes please. through the route of the military through the military and then the golf right. course uh, with celebrities and then off to auditions. Like that's at least an original origin story for you, sir. <laughs> oh, and there's a, a piece to it that I, I 
failed to mention when I was a child and when I was in my teens, I had a reoccurring dream. I have no, I had at the time no idea what it was about. I mean, uh, this dream over and over and over, this dream occurred, and I, I, I didn't know what it was about. It was just marrying some, some suitcases approaching in home because we know what they look like four stories so, and i go up the stairs and i look down the hallway there's a guy sitting in the room he waves and then i look down to the left the room is and i go in i set the bags down and i sit there just feeling in the dream of just joy i never i'm chills now when i think about it because i never out how how what this dream is about why am i having this dream all the time anyway so i get accepted to act and staff i look at the board looking for roommates i pull the number off i call it drive i've got my bags i walk up the stairs i walk in the room that's your room he says and i go in and put them down and i'm i'm like oh, I'm, I'm at the best school i mean i went that that's the dream that's the dream i've been having the exact it's like a video i was having i was living the video that i had in that dream so since this, since the beginning, I'm trying to figure out what's the reason you're on the world, why you're here, what is God's reason, if there is one, I don't know. But I'm thinking, how would this kid have that dream? How do we so know the you future? you were divinely uh, uh, meant to do this. It, well, I hate to blame it on God, but yeah, uh, yeah, maybe it was his fault or whoever. So you're going to do this. We know you're going to do it. So we'll give you a little insight into it. And bam, it was... And my, my career, in a sense, I never became hugely famous, but I was always looking for the, to be, I said, visualization is important. I uh, just kept visualizing myself as a guest star. I want to be uh, Juan Chaney Jr., you know, the, the, the guy that doesn't have to carry the show. <laughs> or, you know, he just comes in, he kills a few people, or he's, he's not, he's not going to get bombarded with people going, oh, there's... You know, I mean, that's not a horrible thing, but I mean, it's just, I had no interest in it. So I got exactly what I wanted, you know, guest stars forever. It's always weird how special each one is. It's like, you're not just getting a part, you're getting a part with some huge iconic star in it, or it's a, a mask series, a sister act series, Disney, uh, Herbie Lovebug. I mean, I, you know, uh, vacation series. These. I'm in a show, I got to be in a big one, <laughs> maybe just one line, but um, I didn't have to do the same work that I, I'm knocking wood and I, I'm not gloating or anything. It just didn't, for me, like it would happen for any other actor. You know, 95% of the people who try to be actors don't make And there's ways you go about getting an agent, and I didn't get an agent. I got my first job, and I never another agent, and I never looked coming, uh, getting a manager or a publicity agent or doing uh, the things you do to get yourself famous because I didn't think about it because they kept job. I mean, what more do you want if you keep getting work? So I, I'm lucky as ever. Maybe the reason. I mean, I think there is something <laughs> wonderful to that. There is obviously something to being able to work with a character and to expand out, but to be in everyone's favorite show like just popping up like in everything over the years must be something so special. Uh, I did want to just do a little oh. bit of a, uh, maybe a speed round through a few of your roles because there are so many to get through. So maybe we could just, uh, a little anecdote if you have one about any of these shows. So LA Law? LA Law. No, I, I just remember uh, one of the first, it was a show, Corbin was, was very friendly. Uh, nothing. No. 
just an early one but um murder she wrote that that has to be like a, a dream to get onto to to that well what well, i'd seen uh angela do many things on stage and stuff before and um and it actually again it was not just getting to be on that show which was iconic in itself i don't let words used too much but it was, it was her and on top of that it was one of the shows they like to put in huge stars like herself and in this were six of them in this i mean i, I come up with the names so I, I wasn't thinking about it and i had to go about and do the final scene with each of them we had exchanges and you know they want to get these people who are huge home so what they do is they put the camera behind me and they, with each of them and then they say good night angela good night Dean. good night to every star and then they put in the, the crew uh, to read their lines so that they could shoot me like this is not fair i'm gonna <clears throat> i was ready to act with all these huge and i'm gonna act with the script girl the makeup guy and the man and, and they're just reading from the paper and i'm like well am i gonna be up there at this level as these monster stars as they're all but it's not okay the way that is i haven't always had a problem looking at myself anyway I, I i a lot of actors have this they see and they just think they stink and you have to realize you, you must be wrong because they can't keep hiring you if you stink. So I just didn't watch. Very true. So nowadays, now that I think I've had enough time between them, I can look. Hey, hey you know, he's really handsome. <laughs> oh, that's Where's the worst. You? When you look back at those photos you hated at the time, and you go, oh, I look so young and good then. <laughs> I did look good. Why didn't I know that? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. yeah. Would have helped. You always realize too late. <laughs> Still looking very handsome, by the way, sir. Of course, um, Doogie Howser one, which was uh, one from my childhood, certainly. Doogie, Doogie. Gosh, I just I'm trying to think of uh, himself. But actually, it was just uh, Neil Flynn, he the other cop, and I was living with my girlfriend in a Hollywood, and there were five or six of these. And at the end, was his apartment. There was Neil, and he, and, you know. We talked and laughed, and uh, he was ready to give up. He said, I've had it. He's going to go ahead and do it. I can't get work. Next thing you know, he got scrubs, and then he got the middle, and he <laughs> became huge. And I was thinking, I remember sitting there talking to him and just trying to convince him not to give up. What you're doing to every actor, you just please don't give up. I mean, I hadn't been. I wasn't anybody either. I was just as much as he was, but don't give up. Buddy, you can fly. You know, you always lie. No, you don't. Nobody, you don't know if you should stay or give up. But I didn't want him to. But listened or not, because he stayed, and he ended up now he's a uh, he's huge. It made me start to think. You know, everyone I ever worked with has become famous. Hmm. You know, I mean, maybe there's something about touching me. You know, that you become huge. <laughs> I don't know, I mean, because it didn't happen to me, but everyone that I'm in with is either huge or becomes huge. Although, um, just anyone watching, please don't take that out of um, context. Touching him and you become huge, it's its all very innocently meant. Yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, I, they look funny, too. I didn't even know it. I'm hilarious. I didn't even know. Yeah, don't. Kids, don't take drugs. <laughs> one, of my favorite, one of my favorite actors, Bill Nye. Oh, I love him. 
in Love Actually. Yep. He says something to the <laughs> to the kids out there because he's a rock star. And he says, hey, kids, don't, don't take drugs. Be a rock star. And they give them away. <laughs> uh, yeah. A line is all it was. Funny man. Love him. And I just recently That's found out that I have no Indian blood. My mom did all this research, 25% Indian. Blah, blah, blah. It turns out she was wrong. We, we went through ancestry. No Indian in me at all. I am huge Anglophile. I am a Mr. English. I'm English and Irish heritage. So now it's books I read on England and loving the kings and queens, the whole history. Now it's part of my heritage. Anyway. Well, you're in good I, company. Like, I'm English and my mom's Irish. And uh, like I, one of my favorite episodes, I don't know if you ever watched Who Do You Think You Are? But the uh, original British version, they had uh, John Hurt on once. And they, uh, I forget what it was, but there was something they'd like always believed about their family, that there was some nobility or something like that. And at the end they found out it wasn't, and it was all kind of just, you know, a family rumor. And they asked him about it and everyone else on the show would always put a brave face in it and say, oh, no, 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 that's fine. No, of course, no. They, they seem like lovely people still. He just straight up, he was like, no, of course it bloody matters. Of course I want to be. Like the whole point was I wanted to find out that I was related to this nobility. Brilliant. <laughs> My wife was told that she was Filipino all her life. Her mother is Haji. I don't know. Do you see that poster, Fatty Cat Kill? Yes. Faster Puss Classic. You Can Kill Kill was a movie my mother-in-law was in. Famous. Oh, wow. And she yeah. told her life that her father was Filipino. So she thought that, oh, ancestry just blew it up and said, no, you're Jewish. And she's like, and I'm, oh, man, everybody gets something. I, I want to be Jewish. You know, I want to I be black or give me, you know, something. I'm and just an Irish English guy. Okay. But that's okay. It turned out to fit me. Yeah. Barn on a turd of the moment. Sometimes it's not what you think you uh, want. It's what you kind of, uh, what you fit really at the end of the day. So that's great. So, uh, but anyway, we digress. Let's get back to yourself, of course. Uh, so uh, again, another one, which was a favorite of mine growing up was the Wonder Years. Wonder Years. I think I was a, I think I was just a policeman. It might've been one of the ones I don't, I didn't watch. Wonder Years. Got nothing. You know, you know, I've heard uh, questions about uh, what was the director like or what was the, and you, you, God, you wish you could send, oh, he was an ass. A lot of the times you're doing the work, but you're just wanting to get it right. I, I got there on time. I know my lines. Now can I live up to whoever I'm acting with? And if the director doesn't yell at me, uh, he doesn't have to end. I mean, but usually, if you're doing the, was that good for you? I go, yeah. If you move on, in TV they just want to get it done. So that, that was one of those ones I didn't have a huge, don't really have a huge part in anything. But uh, that was a smaller one. <laughs> well, moving on to something you did have a, a bit of an arc on was uh, you were in Roseanne for a few episodes as Jay. Uh, quite an iconic show, of course. Oh, I did uh, Dan. Right. Yeah. That that was uh, that was. Always fun, except uh, you never want to say too much bad, but it's a little, what do you use? I don't know. In the script, in the very first time we were reading, and they have this read around on a table, and I was sitting there, and you know, I had like two lines probably. And as soon as I said them, you hear her, Who is he? And with a, with a, like, get out. 
and I, I'm directors. Well, he's the cop that comes in. And I went, well, what did I do? What did somebody do to her today? She, like, we didn't warm up to each other. I'm just an extra, really. So what? what karma. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, a little something might have come That's back all. for her later. Yeah. <laughs> something which you something. have appeared in quite a lot, of course, is um, you've done a lot of sci-fi drama work. Was that something which for you is a passion, something which you're interested in, or just something you've ended up working in? Not particularly as an uh, as the actor until I had done the second Star Trek, and then I looked back and saw, oh, I've done a few others, and I continuing, and I've been but I did have a commitment when I was young, you know, when you're in chess club. <laughs> you uh, read Heinlein, you read Dick, Asimov, you read all the sci-fi. And, and I was totally immersed in the rings and everything science fiction was wonderful to me because I could appear in this world. Since, you know, as a teenager, girls weren't flocking and I wasn't able to attract them. So I, I got to get lost in science fiction. And then I did, as a, as a teen, when I joined the Marine Corps, I, I joined with a, an agreement that they would put me into a cockpit so that I could, I would flying a jet. And that's when I joined them for that. But when I got in and they measured, you're six foot three and a half, sorry, you're two inches too tall to fit in it. So we're going to place you as a sniper. And I went, no, I'll just leave. If you can't give me that, I'll just I'll go somewhere else. Thank you. And they went, no, you're ours now. So I, I got to become a sniper. This is actually the best. I was really good at it. And they don't need one in, in Vietnam after that. So I became a, they put me in an MOS, uh, uh, set of services in MOS in the service, they call it. And, and, and fixing computers. Uh, uh, I was a Marine Corps tactical system support analyst. <laughs> and we'd send missiles off the coast and fake wars. And I did it in a little quonset hut, you know. And I, I, I was so terrible at it, except I graduated, I did it. And then I never picked up a phone or did anything electronic. I, I had a phone until last year. And all this uh, social media, internet, electronic is just, I, I don't know what the hell. And I, and I could have gone in and fixed these. You know, if I'd have kept that, you might have been working at Apple and, be rich in fame now. But you know, the sci-fi that then I, I didn't get to I didn't get to fly. I didn't, you know, so but then I end up, you know, being a science officer aboard a starship. Well, that matter. <laughs> That's better. Yeah. I I mean I know it's a supporting role, but like uh, can you tell us a bit about landing the role maybe uh, in Star Trek? No, it's just a regular audition. I was trying to have going through trying to think it was anything special to it. It was just that I was getting to, and then the minute you get the part, you know, it erupts in my house. We're just dancing and screaming because I'm not just, you know, I got a job. A job in a Star Trek movie. Uh, it was uh, nothing. And then as soon as they called you a few years later and said something, I'm on to a Voyager, I went, oh, I'm, I'm going to be Emoy to Shatner. I'm going to be to Sulu, I'll be his science officer on the next series, but they didn't think of it. <laughs> so, again, did I answer? Uh, did you get kind of 
You did, but did you get like that feeling of the, the goosebumps when you got onto that set, saw the kind of uh, the excelsior it was, and getting into that uniform? That's got to be a pretty special moment, especially for someone who was into science oh. fiction when you were growing up, as you've said. Oh, amazing. I mean, I'm trying to think of anything I could relate it to when you're walking on the set and they've costumed you, and I've got that tunic. <laughs> And of course, your mind is, oh, how can I get this out? I mean, there's no way you're going to, but, I, you know, you're watching the front door guards, the back doors have guards, the, the, the wardrobe roll out with the coats, you know, you off when they say cut, and you walk over to that, and with a guard, got a weapon, they put, so you're not getting anything out of this place. But walking on the set, and you just see that, and <laughs> I mean, you can imagine. I mean, you're, if that thing that you couldn't believe, I'm going to go up and sit in this chair, and I'm going to talk. Oh, it, it, it just makes me kind of stumble. And then the second day of shooting, we had it shut down so that uh, Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner could come on with their complete outfit on and sit in the chair while the camera takes pictures and works it out to make sure that everything is right. Continuity-wise, they got the proper emblems. Is anything wrong with the way they look? And they're there for that. But it shut down a crew of 100 people waiting, I mean, staring, just like I was. Because, I, I mean, I, I when I was a kid, I, I remember why first and every other episode of Star Trek when it aired. I was a huge fan of that. So here, seeing them two staring, I'm not going to get any scenes with them, and I may not even get to meet them, but of course I did. That was phenomenal. But sitting, standing there and staring at these two who were just sitting in the chair. <laughs> Chills. Uh, I'm a nerd. Chills right there. It never goes away. Never goes away. It's amazing. That's and cool. like, of, of course, there on the bridge, which you were kind of, um, for your kind of part, you had... Uh, not only George Takei, but also um, some may have missed Grace Lee Whitney, who dates back to the original series as Yeoman Rand. And I love those little touches they put in the film. How were they to uh, to work with? George and Grace. I didn't get to talk to Grace much, but but uh, but George was uh, it's like, oh, and it's, saying this is just like regular people. They're, he wanted to talk did and I had remembered him or saw him episode of um, Twilight Zone where he's playing a um, Japanese from World War II and in, in an attic locked in with these two people and I remember how good he was I mean it, it was it, it's a shame they should have been doing a lot more he was not Sulu and I, I told him that and he, we had lunch it's like with any type of actor actually talked to a huge person that I, I worshipped as a child. Like, it's just, I'm going to get to have lunch with him. <laughs> I know you might think weird, but, like, he's just a guy. Yeah, he, he, he was somebody. Uh, he's uh, not just a guy. He is the guy. I think he's the guy. I think that's fair. <laughs> yeah. This is, uh, as a child, I was, uh, it's odd, but I used to like to watch, uh, you know, the, uh, it's not odd, but it was Batman. Remember the first series, Batman, with uh, Adam West and uh, the Riddler? 
Frank Gorshin. He's right. Yep. He's right here. I can see him right there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I liked him not as just a Riddler, but I liked him as an impressionist. He would get on and go up on. He would be on Johnny Carson, and when I was, he would do Burt Lancaster. He was like Rich Little. He's an impressionist. He would do all the stars, and I would go. I, I would I'd beg my parents to let me stay up and watch the Johnny Carson show or Jack Parr or whatever, whoever he was on, just because he, I loved it. And then he was also the Riddler. So he's kind of an idol in that I would be going into in front of mirrors trying to play Kirk Douglas and, and imitate like he did. I, uh, so I gave up that idea that I was going to be one of those. But I always loved him and everything he did. And then I grew up and I met my wife and her mother-in-law was Haji. We went to signings and she comes over to the house one day and she's, she's always dumb with it. It's either person said or he, she's dated them all. Had, and she's dating this new guy. His name is Frank. What's his last name? She said, Gorshin. And I, I like the Riddler. She goes, what's that? What's that? You're dating the Riddler. And boom, next thing you know, she's heavily into it. They're planning the marriage and he's on my deck at my house and he's, we're having bourbon together. And I'm talking to him about the Riddler, and you imagine your idol, and he's in your house, and he's having Thanksgiving. You, it chills all over again. It's just amazing that these things that kind of happen to you. That I went, man, how did I get that lucky? And he was planning. He got on the phone, and he called. I'm, I'm dropping names. Tony Bennett sitting at the wedding. And I'm thinking my father-in-law is going to be the father-in-law of the Riddler. <laughs> and unfortunately, he was a five-pack-a-day smoker. He could take a cigarette down in one puff, and that killed him. It was a horrible thing. Um, that was a connection. That's why I've got him all over my walls. He gave me this. I don't oh, mate. Right. The half-faced, um, yeah, black and white faces, yeah. It's uh, let this be your last battlefield from a start. Battlefield, of course it is. He did that. Yeah. Let the battle, literally, yeah. And I made it. It's sitting there, you know. And I also got to meet Adam West and Batgirl. He knew more that he ended up giving me a plaque and he gave it to me later. But uh, oh, and and that girl up there, I met her. It was just—it's weird. It was just weird. I mean, it's weird enough just that you lucky that you get on a show, but not only that, you get on shows like Star Trek, and but you also never grew up. You know, I got to meet everybody I watched. And these old 40s movies are that i mean all that seems surreal but enough but something you've already alluded to something you alluded to was not only uh, yeah. that you got to to be in that star trek film but then it is it was pretty much especially at that time unheard of now you get loads of callbacks in tv shows but to get called back to do it be in the same moment even <laughs> in voyager that you that you were in that movie that must have been so surreal Oh, yeah. Oh, huge. I mean, you get your agent alone telling you, I got, it was important for me to, when you do auditions, is just let it go when you're done, because it, it would just eat you alive if you keep thinking about, how did I do? Am I going to get the call? I'm wanting, you're sitting there waiting by the phone all the time. I just, oh, so I never did that. I would, as soon as I come home, well, when I was married, my wife wouldn't even, like, how did it go? Fine. And we're on to something else. But then, there was certain ones like Star Trek was, or people under the stairs because it was going to be Wes Craven. You do come home and I like wait for that. Remember the they were called message machine. 
You remember them? Unsvang, <laughs> Message yeah, on yeah. there. Oh, the red light's on. Oh, it's got to be him. We, you know, this time, it was a call without being an audition. He says, hey, you ready to sit down for this? They bring you in. You have to repeat Star Trek VI on Voyager. You're going to repeat that and find out what happened. <laughs> this, this can't get any better. Can't get any better. Then it was, then it was a matter of uh, how they put it together because we were having to do exactly what happened on Star Trek VI, you know, without just just using the clip from Star Trek VI, which they didn't do. You had to re reproduce everything. So continuity was huge on that. Yeah. Like, no, 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 no. You turned a little bit more to the left. And I was, oh, man. And I kept, that's when I did have to watch that six over and over and over again to make sure that everything came out. Because then, you know, if there was anybody going to care later on, someone who wouldn't, would notice, like, go, oh, let's see. You know that you don't die as you do in Voyager? <laughs> yeah, that had to answer that question. Why? Because at the time, either I was not going to tell anybody, you know, oh, this is a little uh, discrepancy in here. And they would write me out, and I'd be gone. Go down to the next episode. Didn't want it to happen, so I kept quiet. <laughs> I mean, sir, look, the attention to detail was very obvious and so well done. Like you could see that it wasn't just the same footage; that it was kind of from different angles. And you just got to go back into that moment, which was just fantastic to watch as a fan. So thank you for that. And it could have been worse. You could have been forced to watch Star Trek Five over and again. That would have been tough. <laughs> or one, three, and seven. I didn't mean that just kidding. <laughs> you know, I've heard that, that only the even ones were the best. So I'm going with that. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> of course, you got to complete your Star Trek trilogy by going into Deep Space Nine as a Jemadar. So a lot of makeup on that one. Oh, beautiful. I was used to doing that. Well, maybe I wasn't by then. I can't remember. I've done Hercules or something there before. Yeah, that one, that one had a, an interesting bit. Uh, again, yeah. thrilled that I was going to get the third Star Trek uh, show, and, and and in the in the makeups and all was never you know you got used to the four to six hours of uh, entombment, and you know you but you know those MRI machines that it half as scary is when you have only one hole to breathe from, no no see no nothing no mouth and you get oh you well, yeah yeah I'll be fine. <laughs> You don't know what the six foot three man screaming like a girl would look like, but I, I, I held up. We got it on. The only problem was uh, it was two days into the shooting and we'd done a few scenes. I wasn't well. I had regurgitation. So I went there the next day and I, I had to tell, I mean, not casting, the makeup department. I am sick, but I can do it. Put it all on. But uh, they, they decided it would be best if they worked out a zipper in the back so that uh, if ever I got on a set and I needed to, huh, you know, they could get it off. And inevitably we were there and I, uh, and they just, huh, I was off and I went off leaving most of lunch. Uh, that was not fun. But uh, there was, they were always prepared. There was a guy next to me. I wish I could remember his name now and if he's ever listening please call me tell me who you are because the makeup on himself he had to stand it and uh so he had to look exactly like it which he was a black guy it's funny because you can tell sometimes the skin comes through on the makeup or somewhere you can see well i knew he was anyway because i knew you know, he was there every day so he he got 
they came over to him. So we're going to put you in to finish what he hasn't done. And if there were, I don't know how, just to this day, two or three times, I got his SAG card and he got to be an actor. And I'm hoping he, you know, I think in my mind, I don't really know who it is, that he was actually Tim Ryan, you know. I'm trying to think, it's got to be something like that, some little twist. That was Tim Rice. I gave him the job that he's gonna have one with me later on on a Voyager. No, Tim Russ. Russ, not Rice. Tim Rice is a yeah. Jerry Rice. I'm getting Rice mixed the up. West End. Producing West End, I believe. Oh, you're good. You're uh, good. So that's how is the, it? Space Nine because uh, I can hear everybody in there. When I listen to it, I can hear the voices, and most of the Jem'Hadar are talking down here. They're doing something like that. And I was hearing one character come in. He picks up an item right before he shoots and hit, kills one of them almost. And I hear it say, what's this? And it sounds like me. I went, I talk like that. You know, I didn't anything to my voice. It's just me. Well, that's me. But I think my lines were supposed to be the guy that I shot. Because then that turned out to be the guy, the, the African-American guy. Because I could see in his eyes. I went, but I, I haven't I, I'm time. I'm not going to go in and try to figure it out but uh my name was on the beginning of the show i'm a guest star on it i, I i'm but can you tell me which one i am I, uh, so you're, you're in it but your lunch episode. might not have been in well, you at the time was... <laughs> so uh the other one which i of course wanted to get onto was buffy uh not only did you get to play a vampire in buffy but it was during that amazing uh, first faith story arc and you get to be one of the oldest vampires so old you actually have hoofs Oh, yeah. Oh, that was great. You get to be a higher. <laughs> how many How many people get to tell their mom, I get to be a... Uh, and the oldest one. See, that's the thing. It wasn't just getting in or getting to be the vampire, but the oldest one. And then they're back to do the game. And it was just... had a great time. Great time. But uh, no throwing up stories in that. All the girls were great. Buffy was nice. Yeah, I didn't. You know, I, I don't think I had many. I didn't have any hardly bad experiences with any actor, ego or what, except that one tiny Roseanne thing. But she just probably had a bad day. Buffy, Buffy, Buffy. That's fine, sir. And how did you find kind of working on the computer game? Is it something that is it more difficult to get into your part? Because obviously, when you're in the makeup and you've got those hooves and everything, it creates a certain atmosphere. Is it as easy to get into the part when you're not in the makeup and everything? Yeah, it was. Uh, it didn't seem much different to me. Much experience with games, and then I, I uh, in playing them, I kind of sink. I mean, when they first started coming out, we got the whole, I don't know what it was called, pre-Xbox or whatever, PlayStation. Got it, got a game. I couldn't get past the first thing you had to do is to find a door. I went, that's it. I'm just not meant for this. My brain isn't wrapped around trying to figure out. And these, uh, what are these, uh, what are these rooms you can go into and you try to get out? Huh, no way. I'm not going in there. I'd be in there forever. So, no, the game. It, Seemed like it was another joke when you start doing them with uh, what did I do? Wingmander. Oh, then I got to meet Roddy McDowell, Clockwork Orange. I got to meet Jirlyn yeah. Allen, who was a famous porno star. It may not mean anything much, but uh, I actually didn't watch she was ever in, so but I did to meet her. And um, the other one, which I did just want to touch upon briefly, you had a guest spot in the X Files, which uh, again, like the show of its time, yeah, 
Yeah, that that uh, again, I didn't get to mingle with uh, the cast, meaning the big too, except uh, a scene or two. Actually, just uh, I I remember getting the script and going, man, God, I hope they're not listening. I meant oh, they're really stretching here. We got a we got a snake in the water sprinkler system. Come on, are you so you're reaching? I was kidding. But we had was a most of the most of the shoot was filled with jokes about snakes and pranks with slimy, you know, snakes and <laughs> it was still always a lot of fun. And it, 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 like with the things I do and all, and it's fun that like my mother was first time she saw me. I said, "Would well, you see me on?" I can't remember what it was. So she she got a southern accent. Say, "Well, I saw you. You were good." But I, but I have, I raised you, you know, I mean, you killed a family of two and you shot that man and uh, you did it. You can't do it that well, you know, a little bit in you. And I'm like, mom, not, not evil. It's just like uh, acting, just like a rest you watch. It's fake. And she freak out and scream at me and tell me wrestling's not safe. Of course, we're talking errors back. Much I don't know what the names of the big John Stud and these people They're less fake maybe than it is now. No, they're I'm gonna get letters now. It's not fake, but yeah, she it was uh, the fact that like, you get to do so many odd things. Like my daughter, she never in the set much until Herbie fully loaded until she was 12. Because every time she asked to go on the set, Can I go on the set today, dad? And I let's well, see, I'm doing Freddy's Nightmare and I'm cutting a guy too off, and then I'm Cutting another guy's head. No, not today. Or I'm robbing. I gotta shoot two people, innocent people, and mm, it wouldn't be good for an eight year old. So she really didn't get to go a lot. But then on Herbie, she did. Uh, Lindsay was was wonderful. She said, "Bring your daughter. She skateboards, sure." So I brought. She brought her skateboard. This multi-million dollar Disney production stops, and she goes and skateboards with my daughter for like fifteen minutes. As I'm getting every kind of look from everybody, like, you know, it's really, we got a show here. And it's her. She did it. That 13 year old. <laughs> Blame it on her. But no, it was a wonderful, wonderful. Anyway, see, again, I don't really know where this came from. How do I end up on this tangent? Can't let me. It's okay. Just it's all good, sir. Like, this is it. This is the stories that we want here, sir. <laughs> Um, now it's like amongst all these wonderful shows you've been on pretty much anything is there any show which you'd want to have been on that you never got the opportunity oh yeah yeah I I don't know I can't really think of because I haven't thought about it in a while but uh, I, I, I remember trying to get on China Beach I just thought well I, I'm a Vietnam veteran I sergeant twice in the Marine Corps there ought to be something Something that I could be able to do, and I'm not 80. It was, I was in my 30s. I could never get on it. Uh, NYPD Blue, another one. I, I was. They would make a joke, and the producers. I must have gone there the fourth, and they they were saying, "We got a cot out in the back for you, Jeremy. We're going to get you one sooner or later." Just you know, and it would be some a buddy of mine. You know, all the bad guys are are kind of you know in a in a. And we'd always joke if we were at an audition together, 
We're like, oh, who got the last job? Oh, and you got to you got to suck today, so that we have a shot. Of course, they never did. They tried to get it from me every time. But uh, let's see, China Beach, any war film? I thought war films. Come on, I've got the background. Inner monologues already working, but now I couldn't get into it. And then, of course, once I got on fire in Star Trek, uh, later on in life, I thought, well, this if I start doing comic book signings, I'm never going to be the guy that, you know, you're getting, oh, you're going to go into a comic book and get a signature from Chris Pine or, you know, Leonard Nimoy or, you know, when they were. I'm that one that, well, yeah, he's in one or two, but, you know, are you going to pay any money for a signature? But then I said, okay, well, maybe there's it's the the quantity of work, yeah. or even yeah, all of them related slightly fantasy. Maybe uh, for a career, I might be able to go to a comic book convention. I've done a few of them, but uh, I think there would be a big big draw for the guy in the middle. You know, again. So never do yourself down. The, the the body of work you've done and the amount of these shows which have meant so much to us over the years, I think is amazing. Like uh, one thing I love about doing this is I'll do this interview with you now. I've seen you in a hundred things and I'll notice you in a hundred more after talking to you today. Oh yeah. That's the thing that like, like uh, gets me, gets me when and, and I warmed and just humbled that you do the show basically because of the three star trek. I realize that's why the, the interviews happen because you've done maybe something you could say. When they get you on to a show or I get an interview, it, it's, why? When I, we knew we were on for this, but I looked up on IMDb and, and then I watched as a kid or or in life. You, they were shocked that I, I've seen you, but I haven't seen you, but I've seen you and everything. And it's one of those when I was uh, working a lot, I, I retired trying to come back now, but pandemic. Find me out in something. They bring up, you were in Hooperman. When I was, oh, John Ritter, then they want to know that. Oh, you did Briscoe County Junior. Uh, that's another thing. Westerns. I loved Westerns. Why get in a Western? I did a Western series fighting with a CBS with Martha Mason Woman, whatever that show was. They ended up picking that series, the one I was in. I was playing a mentally challenged uh, cowboy in a Bad family. It was a loneliness. I think you can get it on DVD. <laughs> Westerns. Love them. So one thing, uh, I mean, like, for a start, let's just say, if you're trying to get back into TV now, if the producers of Star Trek today, like, you know, Picard, um, Discovery, like, there's enough Star Trek that, that surely it's time for Jeremy Roberts to, to make a comeback in Trek now. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. I, it was a year ago I, I thought, well, this fishing and sitting on a porch with a rocking chair is just, it just blows. I mean, it's nice, but yeah, I better do something. So I started to come back and I started to do these uh, interviews, but then the pandemic and that prevented stuff. And I have friends that are in it now and they tell me the protocols that the, each of the shows have to go through in order to, you have to sign a thing that says you promise not to breathe, talk, or be near, near anyone else other than the cast during the run of the show <laughs> until this goes away. And and all the new, it's completely 12 years ago. It used to be like it was 40 years ago. You send out pictures and resumes. You get an agent. Then you start going out and you, you go to an audition. Now it's no idea how it's done. I'm so uh, an infant in it. Odds are held in your home with a phone. You just hold the phone in front of your face and you do the audition. I mean, it's, 
seems like it'd be a great thing because then you're not nervous. Uh, everything is handled different now. So I've got to have an afternoon with him. Say, how do I get back in? Because when I when I retired years ago and then I came back, my agent was one of the oldest and guest star agent in Hollywood, the Gage Group. So I was lucky with that. And the only agent I ever came back, I called them and they went, oh, no, he sold it to another. So I called the agency and see if they were going to take on his old crew. And the guy's phone, first thing he said, people. And I went, old people. I've become old people now to Hollywood. So, which is fine. Yeah, I need to go talk to you, Mr. 22. Uh, yeah. But, so I don't mind saying, <laughs> instead of being bad guys that got an alley shot, we're going to end up being... <laughs> Oh yeah, and and Shelley Winters had a way to fix that because she was a big star, you know, uh, Roseanne's mom, uh, grandma. She had an audition once. She went into the room. She came in. She looked into her bag. She pulled an Oscar, placed it on the table, and said, "I'm not reading for you." Some twenties-year-old producer and went, "You can't tell that I could play a woman without." An audition, have an Oscar. <laughs> so, so you no, can bring out our glossy eight by four of Dimitri I, from I Star Trek Six. Yeah, well, that's another thing is that everything I've done is so old, and there's a reel you have to put together, and that reel you have has to have some idea of what you are an actor in. It's not seven minutes anymore. That reel is only like a minute because fan users is different. I guess I'm gonna look at seven minutes of every actor. It's got to be a minute. I mean, you could probably put everything I've done on a minute, but and you're not going to get an idea if I can act. And then what am I going to show the last, last thing? Herbie fully loaded. I Most of the stuff, this is, uh, it's all very different. Very gray. It's good. It's got to figure out how to do it. So I figured Discovery and Picard and all them, I'll just send a picture and we'll go. They like to do that, don't they? Don't they like to put people from other things just Yeah, they so love the back references. can go, hey, wasn't he in? Yeah. Yeah, definitely, so, sir. Definitely. I think it's, I'll be it's on Discovery time. and I'll call you. It's a, it's a date. Thank you very much for being team. on great, tonight. Great I'm sorry about the connection Probably. issues we've had. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, sir, when we play oh, this uh, later, I, we're heading towards the end, sir. We've been an hour. Oh, wow. So, uh, sir, what... What we're going to do is this audio will be used, the audio from this interview will be used on my radio show later in the week on Thursday on the Live. Is there any track you'd like us to play for you coming out of the interview? Well, I see Freddie on the back there. Is that Freddie? It is indeed. Yeah, anything from him is good. Well, oh. Queen, I mean, yeah. Well, th this, this picture is from Barcelona, so uh, how about we hear that uh, on the radio version? All right. Me. Fantastic. So thank you very much uh, for joining us tonight, Jeremy Roberts, or this morning for yourself. Uh, we're going to be hearing, uh, if you're listening to the radio version, please now enjoy uh, Freddie Mercury and Monstrat Kabai and uh, Barcelona. So here's that for you now. Barcelona. For now, thank you very much for watching. I've been Doug Squee. That was my show, or at least a mini version of it. And remember, everyone, if you're watching this, in a world where you can be literally anything, please be kind. <laughs>